Did you see Mark Stoops uh, throwing a throwing a shot out at, at Shane Beamer? I did. That was kind of Stoops is like mixing it up this off season. Yeah, I mean, like with people that he would definitely beat up in a fight. Yeah, that's sure. who you should like start a fight with. Someone that you could beat up, right? No, I no, I think because like it's like the dog. It's the size of the dog. In the in the fight is what I was told. At, at dog, like you're talking like he could just like physically beat up Shane Beamer, or just Kentucky's like you're punching down at a program. No, no, I feel like anybody could beat up Shane Beamer. You want to go? I want to go. Get him! Kick his ass, man. Yeah, how do you like that? That's my fucking death. Pull his head. That's so good. Very sorry for your loss, man. It's a lovely hat. I love your shoes. It's fine. Win total seven and a half this year. Um, it's minus one seventy to go over that total. Fifty to one the, to to win the SEC. Obviously, last year felt like year one. Hype will kind of brought a lot of hype back to the Tennessee program. First, first we've had it in a while. Legitimate hype. Um, I think a lot of people kind of shit on the hire when it first happened. Um, what were your you thoughts like in year one? I mean, obviously, he flipped the roster right away 45 people left the program uh or 45 players one way or the other whether it was transfer portal or going pro or quitting football uh and in year one he scored the most points that the program had ever had in a season and scored the most touchdowns that they'd ever had so what were your thoughts on on year one yeah hey i don't want to call the guy out he does a great job but i've used i've said this about a dozen times over the offseason barrett salee famously said Tennessee's not going to go to a bowl game for five years after everything that happened. And to turn around, I know it was Music City Bowl. That's not exactly what Tennessee fans clamored to be. But, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Fans are excited because we got a quarterback now that until he worked for Josh Heupel or, excuse me, played for Josh Heupel, he was a cast-off at Virginia Tech. And now we've got this high-flying offense. Tennessee's a fun team. The alumni are buying quarterbacks left and right. I mean, this is a good time to be a Tennessee Vol. Trust me. Yeah, no, it is. What What was your opinion last year when they started out with Joe Milton? Uh, was Hooker yeah. injured? I can't what remember. What done in practice to, for that to have been a fucking thing? When they added Joe Milton, I said, I hope he's converting to tight end because he can't play quarterback. <laughs> and I got mocked relentlessly. It was so bad that there was media people saying, you know, I'm an idiot. I'm – I don't know what I'm talking about. The Ooh, coaches, name names. The coaches apparently were not fans of Hendon Hooker, so I put out a list of quarterbacks. I put Harrison Bailey on there because I was thinking, well, my God, if 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 Hendon Hooker is that bad, which I went back and watched every game at Virginia Tech, I knew he was not bad. I thought he'd be average at best, but I did watch Joe Milton, and he's horrible. So horrible. I don't know what in the hell they were thinking with that. That was obviously a huge swing and a miss. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a – all my years, a quarterback run out of bounds with the clock expiring and you needing a touchdown. I mean, just my God, just just toss it into the end zone, try something. But 
Yeah, he, Joe Milton. He has the best arm in America. Right. Like it's not even close. He could have thrown that ball out of the fucking stadium, and he's like, you know what? No, we'll live to play another down. <laughs> That's people get enamored with how far you can throw the ball, and, and you know he looks like a Greek god, but that doesn't mean he's good at football. And and maybe he will be one day with a with a couple of years of tutelage under Heupel, but I'm not I'm not counting on him to do it. Mike, he's like 28 now. Um, I did see like the most Joe Milton thing ever in the offseason, which was somebody said it might have been Hinton Hooker that was like Joe Milton can throw a football 100 yards. I was like, you don't, you're never going to get the opportunity to do that. I think we might see some Joe Milton this fall, but I, I think oh, it'll be in short yardage because they don't have a big running back. So maybe he comes in and he's Tim Tebow freshman year, just kind of a, a fullback more or less at the quarterback position because he is massive. Uh, but yeah, I would not be surprised if Tennessee rocks that. And they may even have a couple of plays where uh, both the quarterbacks are on the field this fall. So they bring back uh, offense offensively. Clearly, it's the strength of the team, both last year. I think it's also expected to be this year. Um, they bring back eight offensive starters, including Hendon Hooker. Um, he set a program record for passing efficiency and completion percentage last year, 31 touchdowns, three picks. Which just like through the offseason, spring, summer, now coming into fall camp, what, are, what have been the reports on Hooker, just uh, his progression? Well, 186 rushes, zero slides last year. So got to teach him to slide. That's kind of the most important thing that I've been picking up. They're, they're teaching him when to, to go down because he got – we just referenced it, the Ole Miss game. They lost it because he went down. Uh, he didn't start the pit game. They lost that. He, there was a rally. He tried to come back. He's been injured in his past. So that's something they've got to get Hendon Hooker going. But just a, a much – better grasp of the system. He's been the man all off season. There's no more competition. I think that could really help uh, his confidence going into his final year. I mean, a lot of people thought he would go to the NFL. I, I know Marler's kidding, but uh, Hennon Hooker legitimately is like 23, 24 years. He'll be 24, I think, when he goes to the NFL, which is not an age most people are, are going to want to draft a rookie quarterback. So he has really got to show out this year if he's got any chance to go to the NFL. And I think he does uh, playing for Josh Heupel. I feel like like looking at the quarterbacks they have in place, I mean, you're right. I, 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 the whole thing about him not getting down, like not learning how to slide, the fact that you said the Ole Miss game, he was like the only player in that game that didn't go down. <laughs> Well, he was, but he was legitimately hurt. Unlike the other 20 guys on Ole Miss. And uh, I mean, I was in the stands and I think people lose sight of that with the damn trash being thrown, the golf balls three and being thrown. That was mostly because of every player on damn Ole Miss's team. And it wasn't it just was Tennessee. 20. Sam Pittman was calling them out. I mean, many, many coaches called out Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for that fake injury bullshit. But Hey, credit Lane Kiffin. I mean, there's no penalty for doing it, so they found an advantage. But it's kind of ironic that they run the same damn offense, yet they need their defense to get breaks when uh, you know the opponent should just do it to Ole Miss every week. I I feel like that was like the most perfect way that Bama could have lost an Iron Bowl ever, but it just happened to the Tennessee Ole Miss game. <laughs> Um, hey, that that was a fun game, though. I mean, Ole Miss, if, yeah. if not for Matt Corral, I mean, they don't win that football game. He put the team on his back. Literally, he. I think he had like 200 yards rushing in that game, if you go back and watch it. He did. Uh, speaking of rushing, obviously it was a nice uh, 
rushing attack last year. You get three of the top four running backs back, including Jabari Small. Um, four stars back on the O-line. Not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, obviously, Cade Mays departs, so there's been a battle there for the tackle position. But the O-line last year, uh, you know, especially when they got into situations where the other team knew they had to pass, was not great. They gave up a ton of sacks. They were terrible in short yardage. Uh, what do you expect the O line to take a step? Because it's the same guys from last year. And if so, you know, how are they looking in camp? Things like that. Yeah, honestly, not really. And, and that's troubling because, like you said, short yardage was a nightmare for Tennessee. They allowed more sacks than anybody in the SEC. And, you know, I, I don't know that it gets any better without they tried to get. A lot of guys in the transfer portal, but it seems like offensive linemen are the toughest positions to grab out of that portal because everybody wants a damn lineman. I, I know they were in on uh, Sheen, I think is his name, the the guy that went to Alabama. So they have no left tackle. They've got a, a former walk-on battling there to start. I don't know if it's going to get any better for Tennessee uh, on the offensive line, but that pace. I mean, uh, Ole Miss offensive line wasn't that good last year, but the pace they run with – it, it, it really helps the offensive line because obviously you keep the defense off balance. So it's it's a huge question mark, but I don't think it's going to be a huge flaw for Tennessee. I, I'm a little bit more concerned with what they have behind Jabari Small at running back because I hear Jabari Small is looking like the best player in camp, which I, did, I thought that was a big question mark for Tennessee. So if he's that good, uh, I think the running game should be pretty solid. But if you look at Josh Heupel's track record, he doesn't utilize one back. He – he utilizes multiple backs, and they're looking at two true freshmen potentially being in the rotation at running back, which that's why they had to bring in a guy by the name of Lynn J. Dixon, who uh, last time he was good was about 2016 at Clemson. Yeah, uh, I love the yeah, fact right. that um, you guys have a running back, Jabari Small, that's going to be a, like an impactful player because I can just hear all of the beat writers now saying Small might have a big impact on the 2022 <laughs> season. Um all right, I'm going to throw out a scenario here because I, I am like fascinated to hear. Like you've you've just openly talked so much shit about the the end of the dynasty, um, and I'm a little bit worried because you haven't Never. done it this Never. year at all. And every year you've done it, it's really worked out for me. This year you haven't gotten on it yet. I'm going to give you like a basically like, like fuck Mary kill, okay? Or just choose between these three. If you could have a victory over Bama this year, or Five straight wins over Florida, or Peyton Manning comes back and is your quarterback as soon as Hinton Hooker leaves. <laughs> yeah, which is you taking? He's too damn old. I mean, he would not thrive in this Josh Heupel. So maybe Arch, I mean, you can give him Arch. I'll take that. But uh, of those, yeah, five wins over Florida, I would I think is the best option because that's. That's just as a bad of a get ma- matchup for Tennessee historically. I, th- I think they've lost 16 of the last 17 against the Gators. And, and that's a program right now, as crazy as it is to say, I think Tennessee's got an opportunity to jump ahead of Florida in the East. Now, mm-hmm. I'm very, very high on Billy Napier. I, I got Florida number two. So I'm not sitting here saying Tennessee is going to do that. But if you can keep Florida beneath you, I think that bodes well for Tennessee's future. It's what most states do on a daily basis. So, yeah. Um, obviously, everyone knows Cedric Tillman. He was great last year, over 1,000 yeah. yards, second in the SEC yeah. in yards per catch behind Jamison Williams. Uh, obviously, we need to step up for a number two. 
First off, what's the update with Brew McCoy's eligibility right now? And then yeah. secondly, is he going to be the number two if he is eligible this year? Two McCoy. <laughs> Wait, how many beers is that for you? You need to slow down, buddy. I mean, <laughs> this camp- is, uh, actually, it's, I'm drinking 33 to 18. The computer's not working. You're getting kicked out. Uh, <laughs> what else? You've hit rock bottom over here, brother. It seems like it. Yeah, for sure. Again? And you're wearing a beamer. Again? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the question. Brew McCoy still not eligible. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. I mean, it, it seems like it's this is a Tennessee issue every year. Last year was Byron Young. Uh, Cade Mates had eligibility issues. Uh, Aubrey Solomon. This is just the annual. Yeah. I don't know who in the hell they got working over there in uh, clearance at, at Tennessee, but they are sleeping on the job. Uh, what feels like Butch Jones just like as just like a part time job, or like Derek yeah. Dooley somehow got back in the administration. He is he still getting uh, fetching Saban's coffee or what's old Butch up to? He's the head coach at Arkansas State, oh, so he'll okay. be the head coach at Auburn in two years. And yeah, that that maybe about six months. It's a circle but, uh, of life. Yeah, I think Brew McCoy definitely number two outside receiver, but uh, be on the lookout. Tennessee's got two guys in the slot. I really like Jalen Hyatt. It's finally going to be his breakout time, and then Squirrel White, my man Squirrel. Squirrel. Best nickname in the SEC. <laughs> Squirrel White. Oh yeah. He is white, that. right? Like that's that's y'all's like Slade Bolden. Uh no racist Marler. He's he is not white. <laughs> good, good. I'll uh, start this again. Please um, please tweet that he is. I'll, I'll be sure people see. Well, it. I mean, his last name was White and his name's Squirrel. So just like you know, as somebody from Alabama, I feel like that was a, a pretty decent guess. I apologize. To the people that named him Squirrel, though. Anyway, they, they, um, they do have their stereotypical New England Patriot receiver, though. His name is uh, Walker Merrill. Of course. Oh, that's way wider. Yeah, for sure. That's like a hedge fund name. Good for him. <laughs> um, okay, going through the schedule, because I, I feel like some of the teams in the SEC, like we talk about like Arkansas, there's like this whole like fans want to do this like linear progression going into the next season. Like, well, we won that game, so we're obviously going to win that again this year. We barely lost this game. So, you know, if we win that next year, like here's how we get to 10 and two, right. And up from, I don't know, six and six. I feel like the only team that is consistently getting the benefit of the doubt all over the SEC this year is Tennessee. And with good reason, because of what Heupel did in year one, Um, what is a game on that schedule that we're not talking enough about in terms of like being something that could derail Tennessee season or provide being a catalyst for the, the rest of the year? Probably Pitt, week two. I, it, everyone seems to be overlooking that, and I get it. Yeah, quarterback's gone, star receiver's gone, offensive coordinator's gone, but from what I know of Pitt, they returned li- literally everybody on the offensive defensive line. Uh, they brought in a transfer quarterback that's supposed to be pretty good from Southern Cal. So, so yeah. mm-hmm. same deal with last year. I mean, every yeah. Tennessee fan chalked that up as an easy W, and they started strong. They blocked a punt. They got right in there. And then they had about three wide open touchdowns that Joe Milton skyrocketed out of the damn stadium, and they were never able to recover. I mean that that ball game should have been about thirty five to seven at right. halftime, but it, it was I believe Pitt had the the edge right going into halftime, and it obviously that didn't derail the season, but I think it has a real opportunity this year. Uh, you, you could certainly talk about the Florida game, but again, believe me, I know I'm a Tennessee alum. We talk ourselves into beating Florida every. Every other damn year, uh, I ain't doing it this year. So 
I could see it being derailed even before that, losing the pit on the road. I, I, I expect that stadium is going to be about a quarter full. It's not like it's going to be a, a hostile environment. So I think losing that game would be even more embarrassing. I just love that it's a condiment-based name stadium for Tennessee fans to travel to. <laughs> Old Heinz Field? Yeah, no, no doubt. No, they, they renamed it. Did they? To what? Mustard? Some, it's some name I've never – It's Just you know, mustard. It's like a tech company or something like Yo, that. Yo, welcome into Mayonnaise Field. <laughs> Beamer's been up there. Um, obviously, a lot made about the defense last year. Um, I guess from what I've seen, Tim Banks's defense is designed to just create as much havoc as possible uh, but and get off the field quickly no matter what to give the ball back to the offense essentially, which is why I feel like when you look at just standard defensive stats, I don't think Tennessee's defense is ever going to look great because, you know, with that offense going so fast, I, I remember when Kendall Bryles was at Florida State, you know, it was expected the defense was to be bad because you're going to go three and out in about 30 seconds or you're going to have big plays to score touchdowns quickly and the defense is on the field a lot. But there's still a lot of room for improvement on that defense. Um they do lose three of their top four graded defenders from the year last year. So there's some retooling to do. What do you think the defense will do this year? I think they're going to be a little bit better. And and I think statistically, yeah, you just look on paper, they were horrible last year, but I think they were significantly better than what I anticipated they would be. I mean, they had virtually no playmakers back there. Alante Taylor, I never thought much of him. They developed him into a second round pick. Uh, Theo Jackson was another guy that was basically cast off by the last staff. He They turned him into an NFL draft pick. Matthew Butler was another draft pick who was just kind of steady Eddie back there, nothing spectacular. Uh, very impressed with considering the lack of depth. They, they literally had two linebackers all last year, and one of them was god-awful. And yet the defense didn't win them any games, but they held their own. And I think that they're very young on that side of the ball. Uh, they missed on some transfers, but they, I think they they really got really good job recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. It's just you know it's it's a major concern if you're counting on true freshmen to kind of come in there and help you. But if they can add some depth, again, I I think Tennessee is going to be a little bit better on defense than most people anticipate. Yeah, I mean, I would the bar I feel like it's set pretty low, but I mean at the same time, like that's it's just like a being a function of that offense and and being on the opposite side of that. Um, Looking into this season, we talked about like Velas Jones Jr. last year going to the Bears uh, in the NFL draft. The second most yards, total yards in a season out of any player in Tennessee history. Um, who is a guy that could be a household name by the end of the year that is not necessarily um, that well known right now? It'd probably be Jabari Small. Just, uh, you know, given the early indications there in camp, I, th- I think he could take over at running back. Uh, Jalen Hyatt may be in that category. I don't know if I'd put him quite in that class, but he is going to try to fit kind of the Jones role in the offense. I don't think he's going to be able to do it on special teams to that level. I don't, I don't think they're going to put him at special teams, but uh, they're going to need a mix of players to replace uh, Bayless Jones. He was he just did everything for him. He was tr- tremendous at punt returning. I don't know uh, who they're going to put back at either return position. That That's another big question mark for Tennessee. You're looking at the schedule, uh, the over-under is seven and a half, like we said. Um, the games I'm looking at that I think are important, I agree with you, the Pitt game. Uh, historically, Tennessee somehow never beat Pitt. They're 
Last year, really? the big thing for the, for them was turnovers. Tennessee had three. Pitt had none. That was really the difference in the game. Uh, Tennessee's one and f- four in their last five true road openers. So that that is a tough game on the schedule. As you said, Florida, I mean, they've lost the last five by 20 points per game, lost 16 to the last 17. So I think a, people, a lot of people are sleeping on that game because people do expect Florida to take a step back and Tennessee to take a step forward. But that's that's tricky. Uh, and then that Kentucky game, Kentucky's off a bye. Now, Tennessee's got UT Martin before them, so um, they should be rested up after that Bama game. But um, Kentucky had 612 yards last year in that game and still lost. Um, Tennessee's won eight of the last 10 against Kentucky, but I think that'll also be an interesting game. Um, what are you thinking about for that total of seven and a half? Over lock of the week, right there. Of course, I think Tennessee is going to go eight and four at worst, nine and three is also a possibility, but it's a little bit of a tricky schedule. I, one game you didn't reference that, that I'm really curious to watch is at LSU because I don't know yeah. what to make at LSU. I, I think they could really struggle, particularly early in the year. Or hell, I mean, there, there's reasons for optimism there in Baton Rouge too. It it seems like Tennessee always gets the the West opponent that is just incredibly come out of nowhere, like Ole Miss last year. So LSU will probably win 11 games next season. I beat the shit out of Tennessee, but uh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But it, that's one to watch, uh, and, and I think it's very important that they keep South Carolina. Uh, you mentioned Kentucky, but Kentucky and South Carolina under them. Uh, yeah. I mean, they just they just destroyed Missouri in South Carolina. I guess you could throw Missouri into that mix as well, but they get Missouri at home, so I'm not too worried about that one. But South Carolina, I think, is going to be much improved football team. They're going to test the balls. I, I think that could be a fourth quarter game too. Before you came on, Chris said that he's very confident in the under on South Carolina yeah, this year. I'm a hammer it. They had four of their six wins last year by single digits. Four of their six losses were by 25 points or more. Yeah, they had a GA as the freaking quarterback. I mean, come on, man. Don't hate on they've, Zeb. They've uh, upgraded significantly at, at the most important position. They've added all these weapons on the offensive side. I think that offense is going to be incredible this year if the, the offensive line comes together, which brings back everybody, which – Incredible? That that may yeah. not be a great thing because the offensive line was so terrible. They were but, so bad. But how can, you, how can you guard them when there was virtually no passing attack? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the thing for me is Satterfield was pretty bad at times last year. Um, you're right, though. They did have like a, like bringing a lot of talent, especially through the portal. Anybody's an upgrade over over Zeb in almost any field besides clogging, which you guys will talk about off air. Um, but that being said, yeah, I just like South Carolina's schedule is brutal, man. Hmm. Yeah, that's what losers always talk about in the offseason. I've been hearing that about the Arkansas Razorbacks two years in a row. It's not well, that about schedule, the schedule is brutal. It, and it doesn't matter. They won nine games because they were a damn good team, and they're going to be a damn good team again. It doesn't matter who's on the schedule. What, that's what I love about college football. I mean, particularly early in the season, you know, Kentucky's got such high hopes. They drop that game week two to Florida. All of a sudden, they could go into a downward spiral. And, and you can make that case about any team. The schedule may look dawning now. What happens if they beat the shit out of Cincinnati? What happens if they right. turn around and, and beat South Carolina at home? All of a sudden, I mean, I don't know. I, the schedule doesn't look quite as daunting. I mean, hell, it's the SEC West. Every schedule over there well, is I just daunting. Meant like but, after, like those are the first two games, and mm-hmm. they're going to be favored to win both those. So I meant like afterwards having to go to you know, like 
you have A&M, it's not a home game. You have Bama at home, but you like, there's like a four game gauntlet they have. Like, I mean, it, they've gotten, they've gotten the best of Mississippi state two years in a row. I didn't realize Arkansas lost to Auburn for like six straight years. Yeah. that uh, That's one of the teams Sam Pittman's yet to beat. Uh, so that is certainly a, an important game. Mississippi state, they're two and O against, like you said, but there's been some luck involved in that. So that yeah. could swing back. I hear you. I mean, the, the SEC West is a gauntlet, but I just I, – I think it's kind of cheap to just look at a schedule and say, well, it's too difficult. It, it's more about the – you got to look at the team. Tr- trust me, I've been doing this long enough. I'm the dumbass that picked LSU to win the West last year. I picked Missouri to win the East one year because of their damn schedule. And what happened? They ended up firing Barry Odom after losing to Wyoming in the opener. Uh, looking at the schedule, it, that just never works. I think you said Bama was going to lose three games in 2018 or 2020. One of the one of the years. I was talking about um, basketball. <laughs> they did that in a week. No, so like you, I feel like you have your finger on the pulse of, um, it, like all things college football, but especially the SEC. Like I've never seen somebody pump out as much information as much as you and koozies as well. Um, but like kind of going through the SEC, there are a lot of teams. I feel like like like. The top tier teams, obviously, Bama and Georgia, are going to contend for a national title. Um, everyone in the middle, though, like just between them and Vandy, seems like, and maybe Mizzou, seems like they could all kind of be middle of the road and like just separated by one or two games, like total, right? In, in the standings, what team is way too, are we way too high on? What team are we way too low on? And don't fucking say Vandy. Uh, Kentucky, way too high, in my opinion. I got them fifth in the East which um, I, I don't think I'm welcome in that state currently, uh, even though I've been trying to – I got Mark Stoops back on this Calipari junk going on. Uh, too low. Um, Florida. I, I got Florida second in the East, really? and, and I, that seems to surprise a lot of people, but I think they got a better roster than Kentucky or Tennessee. They host Kentucky. Uh, again, they always beat Tennessee, so I'm not too worried about that game. They travel to A&M. I get that. That looks – Again? Daunting, but I I don't know if that's going to be quite as tough a game as, as everybody's making it out to be. A and M could be a playoff contender. They could go eight and four. I mean, I, neither one would surprise me at this point. Got to track record. Four. Track record says eight and four. It, every year, but the COVID year, which I I don't understand why people uh, look at the COVID year as as some marker. Like Alabama, they ran through it. I, yeah, I get it. They they beat the hell out of everybody. All SEC schedule, but half the teams. You know, players opting out left and right, quitting on the season. Uh, Alabama was mm. – I, I don't think they tested down there. They didn't have one guy miss a damn game. Uh, yeah. I, or, or maybe there was just no virus in Alabama. I don't know. But they just ran Well, if you don't everybody. believe in something, like it just doesn't ever show up. So it's like saying <laughs> exactly. with, with medicine. Yeah. So they shouldn't even count that year. Jeremy Pruitt is still the coach up at Tennessee. Yeah, I, I personally – I don't – I don't – I don't I don't count so 20. Was count. like all of the numbers they put up on offense being almost better than the LSU the year before, and then having three of the top five uh, finalists in the Heisman. Other than that, like it was probably just because players were opting out, though. Yeah, I mean, hell, Mississippi State, you come out firing, you look like a contender, and then three weeks later, oh, their man. entire roster looks completely different because half the damn team quit, and it, and it was not unique to Mississippi State. LSU player Jamar Chase, we want to play. Game, you know, the season came out. I don't want to play. Terrence Marshall, he held a players-only meeting. You know, we need to get our shit in line. We need to rally around Coach O. A week later, he fucking opted out. I mean, this was happening across yeah. the sport. 
The dude threw the Sting, shoe. He was just like not even in town. He was just like, oh, I got a, I have, I got some things to do this week. I got laser tag with the boys. He quit after his freshman year. Yeah, that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever watched. Which is when he got drafted third overall after not really doing much, at least in one year, and really the past two years. And they were actually showing footage of him in practice against Jamar Chase as like the highlight as to why this this made sense. So. Anyway. Right, and they didn't, no one ever mentioned that uh, he was in the hospital the night before the the opener of his sophomore season, and it was, uh, you know, not COVID related. Wait, what happened? No one talks about it, but that happened. <laughs> well, what happened, Mike? Well, I don't want to say on air. His appendix burst. No, it, it was much much more fun than that. Is he pregnant? Even <laughs> I'll tell you off air. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know. Jesus Christ, know do you know what it is, Tyler? No, I don't. That's why I'm laughing. Um, what do you think the, the the future of Tennessee, maybe the ceiling of Tennessee is? Obviously, Heupel's got the championship. <clears throat> God, Jesus. Probably so, honestly. Heupel's got the, the fan base fired up. The NIL collective is strong. Um Assuming Nico makes it on campus, which I assume yeah. he's probably already signed an NIL deal. I don't think he has to stay with it, but assuming he makes it there. He doesn't do have think- to stay with it, but he he can't profit off NIL for his rest of his life. Or ever get on Twitter again. So because you guys will ruin <laughs> his life for sure. Clay <laughs> yeah. Travis will just be outside of his door screaming and hollering little man tits everywhere. Um so, assuming he he shows up to campus, um, do you think Tennessee could compete with the Georgias and the Bamas of the world uh, with the recruiting and A and M? I guess as well. I mean, that's tough to say. I mean, they're still a mile away from that. Uh, certainly, a quarterback closes the gap. Uh, we've seen teams like Oregon reach the national championship because they had an elite quarterback. Auburn has done it. Uh, of course, LSU maybe a little bit different story. They were absolutely loaded on both sides of the ball. But that that's really where you got to be. I, the biggest concern I have right now for Josh Heupel there, and it, I know it's early, but they're not really recruiting too well on the line of scrimmage. And in the SEC, you just you just got to do that because that's right. where A and M, Georgia, and Alabama spend most of their attention. And it's those are positions. I, Tennessee is they're not avoiding those. They're, they're just losing a lot of those battles. Now again. You, you just won seven games when everyone was writing you off. If you turn around and win 10 games, I think then you can really get that ball rolling. It's, this is such a pivotal year, I think, for Josh Heupel. Again, you got to keep South Carolina, Kentucky below you, and you have to jump over old blue chip Billy Napier down there in Gainesville and try to keep him under you. And if you can do that, I think you can have some serious momentum. But college football is so fun because it's, it's a game of momentum. And right now, Tennessee's got that momentum, but it, it, it's more important. Obviously, the offseason, Tennessee's always got the momentum in the offseason. It's when it comes to the season, is when they drop the ball. So, can they finally carry that over like uh, they did a little bit under old Butch, but then it all collapsed like the damn house of cards that it was? I, I feel yeah, like I he, we didn't soul. talk enough about how crazy it is that Florida fans were so upset with Billy Napier and, and with his recruiting within the first six months of him being hired, right? Like like the first six month, months of his tenure at Florida, he was just getting just roasted by the fan base because of how bad the recruiting was. When Dan Mullen was their fucking coach the year before, like like anything would be an improvement, I feel like. Wait, you don't like Dan Mullen? What, what's, why is Dan Mullen a recruiter? Well, yeah, he's I, god awful as a recruiter, but I think that had more to do with 
if you remember, he tried to make that jump to the NFL. And mm -hmm. NFL said no. I think he lost the locker room. And, you know, it obviously went downhill from there. But it's very hard to overlook what just happened. I know Florida was a train wreck, but I don't get all this hate Dan Mullen gets. I mean, I, I think he's the greatest coach in Mississippi State history. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember the train wreck he in, inherited there in Gainesville. And immediately he had them competing. He, he's a damn good coach. He's, he's just a cocky asshole, which – honest with you most of these sec coaches are i mean honestly he's a fantastic coach and the only thing i feel like he didn't do well was recruiting that's i mean and the fact that with what was going on in that program before he got there the fact that he was able to keep his wife from getting anywhere close to dry humping a shark when he became head coach huge huge <laughs> he just needs a, a, an elite if he if he was uh, if he had like Mario Cristobal's staff right now, he'd be money. You know, he'd he'd be mm -hmm. the he's gonna be the next coach of Alabama. Let's hope. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's hope. I think he's per perfect for the NFL, but yeah. So do I. I I I was surprised he didn't get a job there. But uh, Chris, any other questions here about Tennessee? Uh, no. But first coach fired in the SEC or in college football this year? Who you got? Nick Saban. How how long before old man Nick retires? What is he? 90s, I mean, he ain't lost year? a step. He, I tell you what, last year I he's think lost his fastball. Game. Let me let me ask you this: Why why does no one bring up that he can't coach defense anymore? What do you mean? Every t look, Alabama they've got the best roster in college football this year, right? And uh -huh. nine times out of ten, they have the better roster than everybody they face. Yet when they the one time a year they meet with someone that has equal talent. They can't stop them. And this is not a one-year problem. This is going on year four of this. Clemson roasted their ass. Like, LSU roasted them. Georgia just roasted them. Texas A&M with Zach Calzada, who these Aggies say is the worst damn quarterback in the program history, what he scored right. 41 on them. I mean, at what point are we sitting here saying, if not for some elite quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, that Nick Saban is, uh, you know, not lost a step. Oh, hold on. So hold on. It's because the off the offensive coordinators are good now. That's good. I, that's news to me because I know Sark was. Lane Kiffin is is awesome. I, yeah. I will say, um, you, you brought up the first two points. teams, which was Clemson and and LSU, who are two of the top five teams maybe in the history of college football. So, I mean, sometimes you just run into teams that are uh, that are also really good. I, the defense was ranked in the top ten last year and the year before. Um, right, and they have better talent than everybody they face. It should be at that level. But when you play in an elite team that matches right. up with you, you should be able to limit them somewhat. But I'm just, I and, feel and like they we, do that a lot. They say, beat Georgia earlier last year, right? Did they, did they go one and one against them? Yeah, pick six Stetson. That's why. I mean, hell, he threw one. He should have thrown two. And how about Ole Miss with Lane Wait, Kiffin? I mean, Ethan, hell, they scored 50 Ethan points scored on him. Not last year they didn't. Last year they had zero points in the first half. They were held to like Lane Kiffin career lows in in yards, rushing yards, and total points in the first well, half. Well, they forgot to plug in the the popcorn machine. That's all that was. <laughs> Whoever got like, I feel like that had to be staged a little bit because the fact that Big Al showed up in a popcorn like onesie by the second half was ridiculous. Um, no, I, I don't. I mean, Bama got torched. Like, I think I think like the Arkansas thing would, was was kind of concerning. The other thing is too. Um, and I feel like this is going to shock some people, but every once in a while, um, you got to take somewhat of a step back. You can't just keep putting like number one defenses and, and six first rounders. I mean, they had eight players drafted in the first 38 picks in the NFL draft. 
God, you got more excuses than Nick Saban. My God. I just, I hate when I say things that are all facts and we just say they're excuses. But yeah, that's fine. It's all good. Chris, I was going to say, uh, is there anyone in the SEC that would get fired next year? Because after this year, because there's like, everybody's new. Probably, probably Mar- for exposing Marler. himself, but just like not actually exposing himself, just walking out in public in a tan suit. Hmm. Uh. Um, who would get fired? <laughs> I mean, Drinkwitz, maybe. I don't think he would, but maybe. Nah. Um, I mean, Harson, I guess. That's a real possibility. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, guess I think Mike, I think Mike Leach could be in trouble if if they have a disastrous season because I th- I think they they should be really good this year. And if he if he gets embarrassed in the Egg Bowl, zero and three in the Egg Bowl, I wouldn't fire him. But they're crazy down there. Who are they going to get now? Like he's like a perfect fit for what they are as a program. Seven and five, eight and four, jump up and get somebody you know that you shouldn't beat every once in a while. That is Mississippi State football. Right, but he could tweet the wrong thing on the wrong day after <laughs> losing the Egg Bowl and his ass is gone. He has become such a Facebook boomer uh, meme generator on Twitter. It's incredible. I love him. I, I hope he's in the SEC forever. I hope Lane Kiffin stays too, even though he's he's always got one foot out the door looking for his next job. I, I think yeah. he might be the next Auburn coach. Kiffin? Yeah. Oh God, that's a nightmare for me. I will say, I think that uh, with Coach O as his like, D line coach. Oh boy! Everybody tried to pay him two million dollars, <throat> or like it was. What was the story where where the Orgeron showed up to his actual interview with a two and a half inch binder uh, of notes, and that's what showed whoever, like I guess the AD was, that he was like serious. And I remember hearing the story from uh, one of our LSU buddies, Mickey, and he was like. Yeah, there was nothing even in that binder. It was just a bunch of pages. Like, like he didn't understand any of that shit. It was just all for show. Got when was job. this? Was this when he was interviewing at Ole Miss or where? Yeah, no, no, for LSU. Hmm. He did the same thing at Ole Miss, but it was a coloring book, so it was pretty obvious. <laughs> Are you guys uh, interested in watching what Dion does this year? Are I, I don't know who TV? that is. Prime, prime time? Oh, Dion. Oh, okay. Is that even football? I mean, no, no. I watch SEC. Is all I watch. I just, I'm interested to see if you know, given what he's done with recruiting down there, and uh, you know, if Tyler's he, a Florida State fan. Yeah, I'm a Florida State fan. So, well, that's your next coach. That's why you're interested. I just, everyone says that. I just, I just don't know. I don't know. About I hope that. you guys. Well, but I am interested. Really can't be much yeah. worse than old Mike Norville. Uh yeah. Uh, recruiting wise, it's gonna be, it'll be better. But I, I don't know. Coach, we'll see. I mean, did, we'll like, see. do they have any of those games on on TV? I I would guess because he got the number one player in the country that they'll have at least one on ESPN. I like that people at media days ask Kiffin and Leach, you know, when are they going to schedule Jackson State? As if that's one of their top priorities. You know what? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to, be to see what happens on there. All right, Got- y'all. Uh, all right, so you're going over the seven and a half. I will also go over seven and a half um, and regret it immediately because this is my – I said it with Georgia last year, but I think Tennessee being back would be my biggest nightmare. Really? Not Auburn if, if winning Tennessee like and Georgia are games? both back and Saban retires and I have to go back to like what the basically the late 90s and early 2000s were for me and start listening to fucking Puddle of Mud and wearing Jinkos again, I'm going to lose it. What'd you think about when you heard old Saban thought about retiring after the kick six? Um, I was more surprised that he cried. 
which I'm not judging him for. I just was, I didn't know. I've seen you that. cry many, many a time. All the know? time. Yeah. I do it once a day. I got to get those tear ducts flowing, bro. Um, anyway, no. So I say, first off, you haven't seen me cry. Um, so I, I mean, I don't think he would have retired. I like, regardless of, of how he felt after that, I think that Bama fans were awful at that point because the, the level of entitlement point. was at a peak because well, they had just won three out of four. I, me and Tyler talked about this last year, and I bring it up all the time now. It wasn't until a year ago, and like I looked into the actual teams and 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 season that I even recognized Florida State as being like a worthy national title contender or a national champion uh, in that 2013 year. And they had 22, yeah. all 22 starters went to the NFL. Yeah, I think he would end up going to Texas because he would have not wanted to retire immediately. I don't know where Bama would have gone for a coach, but. Do you remember who that Florida State defensive coordinator was? And so, yeah, it was Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pruitt. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt's he's like poker now on the weekend. He's the one that landed us uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yep, right yep. out of Tennessee. Yeah, he was committed to USC, and then as soon as we got Pruitt, he flipped to Florida State. Pretty crazy. I wish we saw Pruitt as a D.C. Hey, what's uh, Saban's excuse going to be when <laughs> Georgia beats him in the SEC championship this year? I mean, I think Georgia has a better team than Bama this year. And I, I know you we'll picked Georgia. Uh, so what, more I'm, 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 too. No, I'm asking I you, what it. is the excuse? What's what's the excuse? So be? I think that people get confused with excuses. Still rebuilding. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, I think people get excused or get confused with if I, so I always say this, if, if I was late for work because I got a flat tire on the way into work. Uh-huh, that's an excuse. Is that an excuse yeah. or is that just what happened? Uh, yeah, that, that's an excuse. You work from home. Okay. <laughs> If I was driving in a hypothetical situation into an office and I got a flat tire, I mean, like people, people just want, like people jump on Saban immediately about the NIL shit. We, no one has said a word about like Kiffin's been like the most pessimistic person the entire offseason. And also Kirby was saying the exact same shit. Honestly, so was, uh, so was, was Jimbo, but Saban cut the brunt of it. And then it wasn't until Kirby signed that, that, uh, extension that anyone, like put him in the same breath as like Kirby's complaining about NIL. No, he's just talking about something and he's telling you like, there could be some negative side effects to it. Cause this is a, a whole new world that we're walking into like fucking Aladdin. But we, you know, like it's, it's something that's not regulated. It's very new. And it already has shown that like, there could be a lot of problematic things. It's, I mean, it's just, I fucking hate that, social media. That was a masterful way to dodge the question. I, that was good. That was What's good. his excuse going to be? I don't, yeah. I don't think we're going to lose. You picked them. You picked Georgia to Shut win up, the SEC. <laughs> you can't um, have it both ways. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll just we'll just cross that road when we get there. How about that? I think Bill O'Brien could cost him. I think he sucks. How? <laughs> He's terrible. I, I I will say it amazes me that like not a single person outside of Tuscaloosa would even acknowledge how good of a job Saban did coaching last year. That team had no business being in the college football playoff at all. Yeah, number two roster in college football. They, they had no <laughs> yeah. business. They had the best offensive player, best injured, defensive Mike. player. I, right. My God, what a rebuild. Yeah, the rest of that offensive line, they were into 123 country. He would, country, he but would I know trade Williams rosters with, with Clark that. Lee in a hurry, I bet. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, you know, I, you're a Tennessee fan, so you get, like, having a lot of high, like, high big-time recruits and then still not – he recruited really... them all. What you can't use recruiting service. He don't look at the re- recruiting services. He looks at 
his rankings. Who? Saban. You can't say they're they're all busts. He recruited. I them wish all. Saban would just jump on Twitter like out of nowhere and start dropping like big game boomer lists and just not even address <laughs> it like it's a big deal. What a, maybe like, he is big big game boomer. <laughs> you ever think about that? Oh, mind blown right there. <laughs> that would be incredible. Just the worst, the worst long play ever. Uh, I am the Batman. All right, well, let's let's get out of here. Um, oh, a fucking Georgia fan in here said, "Thank you, Mike. Thank you." <laughs> just, just the horniest I, people just the for truth. fucking disrespect. You know, by the way, they were favored in both of those games. I feel like people forget that. Oh well, I know. They won the one that the only one that mattered. That's true. They did go one and one. Sets and Bennett is one and two all time against Saban. Also, Kirby's one and four, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. You guys probably didn't even hear what I said because this Wi-Fi is shit. Um, Mike, tell everyone where they can catch you and on your super successful podcast. And um, at some point, we're going to have you on here and tell the backstory as to how all of this unfolded when the non-compete ends and I don't get in trouble. Oh, yeah, perfect. Uh, that SEC podcast, the number one rated SEC podcast on Apple, Spotify. We're on YouTube now. We just passed 7,000 subscribers. You can find me at SEC Mike. I'm all over that, so uh, I'm just talking nonsense like you'll catch here. I don't, I don't take myself too seriously. I, I realize you, what, a jo- what a joke I am, but, hey, it's, it's all in good fun. I mean, well, yeah, I'm having fun. On. This is fun. This is great. <laughs> Belittling Marler is what I do. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we'll see you probably uh, later this season to catch up again. Okay. I, hopefully, I'm not banned forever. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, guys. Uh, Oh, he already left. Yeah, I removed him. Oh, we're still recording. Good. If you guys have any questions, fire away. Remember, the live event is next Friday, the 26th. Chris and I will not be providing alcohol, but there will be a lot of good alcohol there. Did somebody Um, assume that we were going to be paying for their alcohol? We're giving away free alcohol. Okay. I can't even afford internet, so I don't know why people thought I was going to be buying their fucking drinks. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Like subscribe on youtube we have a twitch channel now if you like twitch cfb uncensored on there I swear to god if the fucking twitch channel somehow takes off and youtube doesn't and you make me look even worse with with my company i am gonna <laughs> probably have to move again all right for chris on tyler peace out everybody